Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I, Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. <laughs> A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts and, of dirty stuff, yeah. but also parenting stuff. Yeah. So check out Childish new episodes every Wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in the pod cabin on an exceptionally rainy day with Tony Thaxton. Hi. With no termites. I know that no one cares about the termites. <laughs> I've already forgotten, I was honestly. just thinking today... We're also here with Joe Quazala. Hello. Hello. Hi. I will give your official intro when it's when it's time. When it's appropriate. You won't know when that is. Mm-hmm. It'll just sneak up. It could be this episode. It could be another I episode. Mean, I'm I'm willing to wait. <laughs> the okay. sign of a perfect <laughs> intro. You won't know when it is. <laughs> it just sneaks up on you. <laughs> yeah, perfect. But it's here's the thing, it's not when you want it, it's when you need it. Thank God. So anyway, Joe. Mm-hmm. Who's not here yet? No, not officially, but on unofficial status, yes. The last many episodes, I have started by doing some light chatting with Tony and giving everyone an update on the termite in the studio situation mm-hmm. because to make thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I was thinking this morning. I was thinking. I don't even care anymore. Why am I doing this? Why must I give the update? It's well, like being a slave to the format that I invented that no one loves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also, isn't the update that they're just gone and they've been gone? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but there's there's an element of it that speaks to my um, ability to handle things myself. Like I I was victorious because the advice from the professionals, which will ultimately turn out to be the right advice probably Mm -hmm. was tent this place, potentially vacate the premises for like three days. And I said, no, I can't do that. I'm going to take care of it myself, which no one recommended. And, but I did. And I think that until this place comes crumbling down around us, which, like I said, will probably happen because it's probably not a good idea to not do what they say. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Uh, until then, look at me. I'm like a termite militia. Mm. I don't even know how I feel about militias. I just re- I realize that's kind of a political <laughs> statement. I don't know how I feel about militias. A great quote. <laughs> I think that... Um, we have the right to have them. In general, I probably don't disagree with them. But when it comes to termites, yes. I'm a one-woman right. militia. I went rogue. Now, my third-person perspective of this feels like a very clear arc of, like, you were told what to do. Mm. You didn't do it. Right. You thought you had it figured out. And then the next the next turn is going to be you were very, very wrong. And they're going to be back. This is horror movie. Like I know. You think, you think you've killed the killer. Yeah. And you're finally, you're like, okay, this is great. I did it. Fine. Let's take a breath. But no. 
so the what is killer's gonna, coming back am i is it and, gonna be like i'm in bed and there's suddenly like a humongous termite shadow that you see in the doorway i think it's going to be a swarm oh god a shadow this of is a, sw- a moving swarm <laughs> and the swarm will, will make shapes and images to taunt you what was that mtv movie about the roaches joe's, joe's, apartment. joe's apartment okay this is allison's studio yeah. <laughs> yes the, the long-awaited sequel yeah i'd also like to add i saw joe's apartment in the theater My how man. was it uh, it was about what you would expect but for some reason i thought it was going to be great i mean it, it was one of the first mtv features if not I, the first i think yeah maybe so so that Who was in it joe Jer- jerry o'connell <laughs> that's what was i want to say that's what i, I want to say let's just say it jerry O'Connell. did the roaches talk Yes. And, and sung and danced, and, I believe. Oh, my yeah. God. I can't they believe were, I missed this. They were grooving. I believe they had a song called Funky Towel. Oh. <laughs> I got really loud on that because I, I started saying oh, and then I thought about it, and then I really felt I felt the oh. I don't remember if Funky Towel was in one of the commercials <laughs> or if it was in the movie, or maybe both. I feel like I would remember that. I could be wrong. Um, it was Jerry O'Connell, indeed. Perfect. I didn't know they said. So, wait. Are they the uh, protagonists of this movie? Um, boy, I really don't remember a lot of specifics, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, don't, I can't speak with authority. I've never even seen the movie. I, but I do remember those trailers. Your honesty, same. Uh, anyway, we are here with Joe Quazala. Hello. He, uh, listeners of this show may be somewhat familiar with him, as he has been on the Thursday show a couple times. Mm-hmm. He's great. He just had a Comedy Central half hour, which is also great. He's from Pittsburgh. That's probably the extent of what I know about him. Okay. Oh, no, but 30 for 30. Yeah, 31 31 for 31. You did 31 videos. You released them in a single day on your 31st birthday. Correct. And uh, many of them went viral. Yes, that we can can say that with confidence. Yeah. So here's how you and I, here's how this all happened. Mm -hmm. Um, You're friends with Greg Heller. I am, yes. And he reached out to me uh, in, in... uh, ahead of, but really very close to when your Comedy Central half hour was coming Correct. out. Um, and to see if I might be interested in having you on the show. And I said, I know about that guy's videos because my husband Daniel has shown some of them to me. Uh, I would love to have him on. I don't have, I don't have room in the schedule to do a Monday show. Let's get him on a Thursday show. We did that. And then I fell in love with the comedic stylings of you. So nice and now I've had you back so many times. Um, and we already have another Thursday show on the calendar. Mm-hmm. I hope you feel flattered and not like I'm stalking you. No, I love it. No, it's great. It feels nice because if you do something and then someone's immediately like, please do it again. You're like, yeah. oh, I did a good job. Yes. That was the, the feeling I got. You also host Who Cares About the Rock Hall of Fame. Did Who I get ca- the title right? Uh, nearly. Who Cares About the Rock Hall? You left out the F fame. Well, the full title, if the full name of that institution is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm. But... uh Traditionally, it's uh, abbreviated as Rock Hall. Got it. So, I mean, just we don't want a title that's too long. No. Who cares about the Rock Hall? Uh, Alice Rosen's new best friend is a little bit pushing the length. Yeah, but I think it just walks right up to the line. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was by design. Um, Tell me about your podcast. Because I know that Tony has said that he wishes he could nerd out with you about music. So you must be quite a music nerd. I mean, I am. And specifically, the weird thing is that I know a lot about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is peculiar because for most people, it is an institution that kind of exists on the periphery. Yes. Like it's something you hear about maybe once or twice a year. When people release lists and things. Yeah, when it's coinciding with the nomination list that comes out or if it's the uh, ceremony itself. 
but I have been following it almost like it's sports since I was a kid. Uh, and you can kind of track it like sports because it's an evolving thing. It's you. There's a new list every year, and then you. It's. It's, I think, built for discussion and argument. Like, who on this list should be inducted, who shouldn't be, and then the list finally comes out, and then there's five or so artists who now are added to the permanent list of inductees. And then there's an induction ceremony uh, every year, and those concerts are really great, and nobody pays attention to them. Mm, have you ever been to one live? Yeah, I've been to two. And and since we started doing the podcast, it's kind of a thing of we have to go every year. It oh, has wow. to be part of it. Yeah. Uh, do you do it regularly with other co-hosts that you regularly do? Yeah. With? So I I have a co-host named Kristen Studdard, who's a very funny uh, comedian, and our dynamic is that she does not care at all. Mm. She's fully like, "What is this? Who? Why? Who cares?" You know, as the title suggests, and she's like, "I don't. This seems like a uh, dad's." thing <laughs> this is like it seems like a thing for dads and it doesn't it you know and and yeah and she's partially right uh but through i mean we've been doing it for about a year and a half and now she knows so much about the rock and roll hall of fame that she is pretty upset about it is this born of a love on your for you is it because mm-hmm. it come from a love of music or because you said that it um it's sort of like following sports is it yeah. more of like a completist sort of uh it, it, it scratches a few itches for me. One is that music, for sure, and like rock and roll, like in, mm. in a traditional sense, uh, and music history. But then also, I do like lists, and I and I like being able to track things like that. And when there's like a season that I can, you know, s- follow the news and see what's going to happen and make predictions and see, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Does the Rock Hall, mm-hmm. like I'm using the, Look at that, using the, the young terms. people's parlance. Um, it's definitely not young people. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Do they know about you? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Because on some level, I think if the Rock Hall knew about us, they would maybe ask us to change our name. Oh. Because I know there was a there's a website. Like, we've gotten to know people within the Rock Hall fan community. <laughs> oh, wow. And there there's a, like, definitive website that does a very good job, a better job than the Rock Hall of cataloging all the stats and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, who's been nominated, how many times, this, that, what happened this year, who inducted who. Um and his website had to change its name because legally he wasn't allowed to use the term Rock Hall. Mm. And we use the term Rock Hall, and I think maybe they would come after us if they were aware of us. Is there anyone who you feel strongly should have been inducted and has not? Oh, I think this actually came up on yes. before the Thursday show because I remember saying, oh, yeah, they're like the Susan Lucci of this. Right. And maybe it was LL Cool J who's been nominated mm. a bunch. Kraftwerk has been nominated a bunch. Still not in. Uh, and those are two that I think are huge snubs. Who votes on it? So there's a nominating committee of like 30 industry experts, which is journalists and musicians like Dave Grohl mm. is on there. Questlove is on there. But then also, you know, people who had written for Rolling Stone or, or Pitchfork or whatever. It's usually more Rolling Stone than Pitchfork. Uh and then they come up with the list of nominees, and then that ballot goes out to about th- a thousand people. And that it m- is mostly artists who have been inducted. Once you get inducted, you get a ballot. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that that's kind of the problem, is that as more kind of dad rock bands get inducted, then the voting base is becoming more of those types of people. Right. 
So you induct Journey, and now the eight dudes from Journey are now voters, and they're more likely to vote for, say, maybe Bon Jovi. And now you've got another half dozen of those dudes who are going to right. less likely to vote for a Janet Jackson yeah. or, you know, a Notorious B.I.G., and more likely to put in, say, this year on the ballot, the Doobie Brothers. It's like how people hire themselves without even being aware of it mm-hmm. in jobs. Like, that's a real yeah. phenomenon. Um, is there any... This last Rock Hall question, oh, then we're moving count. on. Let's make it count. <laughs> is there anyone who's been inducted that you feel should not have been? I was going to ask that. Yeah. You know, I think, for the most part, I'm pretty okay with all the inductees. Really, the issue for me sometimes is the order. Like... Green Day getting in before Cheap Trick mm. doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And like Green Day got in immediately and I think are a very deserving band. I don't know that they're necessarily a first year eligible uh, inductee. Or like there was a ballot in 2000 where The Lovin' Spoonful <laughs> got in and Queen did not. Mm. Which was like, all right, this is very stupid. What is The Lovin' Spoonful or what are The Lovin' yeah. Spoonful known for? So you would know uh, Summer in the City, mm. probably. Do You Believe in Magic? Uh, sometimes <laughs> oh that was good. right and uh <laughs> do you ever have to make up your mind you would probably uh a lot what, of questions what a day for a daydream yeah that song mm-hmm. they're they're kind of that all their songs are a little bit like that what is it a spoonful of love <laughs> it's a loving spoonful of love i must stop down this show right this minute to ask a question that is going to distract me the entire episode uh-huh. tony did you do something with your facial hair that's different no. Oh no! So. <laughs> this is the worst of all outcomes to this question. No, I. You want to hear something worse than that? Yeah. So, when uh, when I was on tour in in Motion City years ago, and we had the same manager the whole time, and I, this was probably in like 2010, and I think I've pretty much had a beard since 2004. So he'd known me at least six years mm-hmm. with a beard. Came to one of our shows. Sees me in the dressing room and he goes, Thaxton, you growing a beard? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So that felt pretty, uh, that was, you're, you're, you got, you got plenty of years before you can catch up with that one. So there's nothing different happening on you. Did you uh, pluck uh, your eyebrows? Not that uh, they need it. <laughs> they're just, there's something different happening uh, here. I, I don't know. When was the last I, time you trimmed? This morning? Mm, no, maybe like, uh, Sunday or Monday. Maybe Sunday I've seen you since. Hmm. I don't know. Something looks different. You don't usually see me in the rain. <laughs> I think it's the context. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, maybe that is what it is. It doesn't make sense, I, but maybe it's. I, I don't know. Is it the, have I ever, have I never seen you in a, like a hoodie? I don't wear this too often, but I think, I, I think you have seen me in <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. That's also, that's, that's not his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, and it's strictly the, did you bleach I, your mustache? No, I didn't do anything <laughs> different, but I, maybe I, intention like unintentionally something is slightly different maybe you have just a new vibe and a new energy well there is a lot different right. happening yeah right now, okay. so. maybe it's that who knows I joe know. Hmm. back to you yeah i don't know either now i'm a little fixated like what could it be <laughs> does maybe. he look different to you no okay. i mean i know that i can tell that you've trimmed since i saw you but i haven't seen you in in a little bit you know certainly before Sunday or Monday. Yeah. Do you feel that he is um, projecting a different vibe or a different energy? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> definitive. Yeah. So it's exactly definitive. the same energy. Exact, you know, I came in here expecting an energy from Tony and I got what I wanted. Boom. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> satisfied customer. Truly, yeah. Joe, yes. where did you grow up? So I grew up in the northern suburbs of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And how was that? It was fine. You know, I I mean, my life was good. I like my family. Both my parents are very nice. Uh, and so is my older brother. Uh, Pittsburgh is a fine town that I'd never want to live in. Mm. I mean, mostly because, I mean, what I do, I cannot do. I cannot be a working stand-up comedian and try to pursue uh, film and TV enter- and an entertainment career in Pittsburgh. It just mm-hmm. wouldn't make any sense. Right. But Pittsburgh is actually a quite a lovely city, uh, visually. It, it exists upon the convergence of three rivers. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. Uh, the Allegheny the Ohio, and the Monongahela. Which is your favorite? Oh, Monongahela. Because of the just, name? Just or yeah. Monongahela? Monongahela. How's the Hela spelled? H-E-L-A. Is that one word? Yeah. I love it. I've, yeah. T- Mon- try, I say hope, it. Say it. Monongahela? Yeah. I hope nice. you don't lose respect for me. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, had not, I had not heard of this river till right now. Mm, I don't well, think I, I have either. And it, I've been to Pittsburgh. It's really, is it one of your lesser rivers? <laughs> I'd Why say, did we not I learn mean, about well, it in school? The Allegheny, I mean, the county uh, where Pittsburgh live is uh, Allegheny County. Yeah. The high school I went to was North Allegheny. So Allegheny is getting a lot of play. Right. Right. And then Ohio, duh. I mean, like, neighboring state. Mm. But yeah, Monongahela is the one that does not get the love, the attention, probably because of the pronunciation. Which uh, maybe I relate to because my last name is Quazala. Right. What? How do people normally say your last name? I, uh, the most forgiving or forgivable pronunciation is Quaxala, mm. and I get it because there's a C in there. You want to pronounce it right. It's calling you out, and you're like, "I got you. I mm. see you." Yeah. The worst is when it's out of order, and it's like, "All right." Someone's like, "Cause, cause of walls," and it's like, "No, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no." KW, step by step. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> I just I was like I took a moment to consider like okay, how how bad has it gotten? And I I have I mean I I actually did a video with Comedy Central recently about this and about trying to be a stand up where you have to have hosts say your name mm-hmm. and most stand up comedians are illiterate so it's it's particularly <laughs> bad. Uh, the worst I ever got was someone brought me on stage uh, and as. Anthony Guizermo. <laughs> oh my God, that's like Adele Dazim. Yeah, yeah, truly. Yes. So I, yeah. Anthony Guizermo. Anthony Guizermo. I never expected Joe to be the one that got fucked up so bad, but yeah. Anthony Guizermo. What did you do? I was stunned. <laughs> did you know that it was you? Yeah, I knew I was up next. And then I made, I, I made him do it again. I was like, that's not, I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was, he was very, very embarrassed. Who was it? It was a, a guy who was has since become a good friend of mine. Uh, Are you not going to say his name? His name's Charlie Bury. He does not uh, live in Los Angeles. Uh, this was in Chicago because mm-hmm. I, I came up doing stand up in Chicago. Uh, yeah, and I didn't know him yet, and uh, it was like one of our first interactions. And I he told me that I he felt so bad, and I like really <laughs> embarrassed him by make by making him be like go ahead, do it again. <laughs> But I mean, otherwise, what do you, I guess? Otherwise, you just go up and you say, "Actually, my name is." He's going to yeah. be embarrassed no matter what, unless I, I, yeah. you, from that point on, change your name. I mean, I could have just rolled with it and laughed and just been like, or not even acknowledged it, because ultimately, who cares? Like, no, it's not the audience. You, you and mean, the audience. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think the audience <laughs> though generally is like thinking this is Joe Quazala. This is great. Good. I know his name. You know, for for the low stakes of that show in particular, right? But I, I, I was so rattled. <laughs> I yeah. Just, and it was so, uh, I was so uns- uh, not expecting it. 
Right. So you grew up where the, three rivers converge. Yes. Parents, can, you, can you remember them? Yes. The Allegheny, the Ohio, and the Monongazala. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Mahangazulu, what is it? Monongahela. Monongazala. Monongazala is... <laughs> I mean, that's when Anthony I'm in the Monongahela. Yeah. Is that what it was? Anthony was <laughs> yeah. She remembers that. Right. You never forget that. Yeah, but Pittsburgh's very beautiful. Uh, a lot of bridges, too, which, mm. is, which is cool. And you have an older brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your childhood like? Uh, it was, uh, I had a helicopter mom, for sure. Uh, it was, but it was very, you know, it comes from a place of love, mm. obviously. But like yeah. overprotective? Oh, yeah super and and also i was a little bit of a mama's boy too mm-hmm. probably too uh not rebellious enough mm-hmm. <laughs> for what would be considered cool you know very very open to sharing things with my mom and like you know taught, I, I liked my parents you know which is can be uncommon mm-hmm. especially for for someone who uh bucks the trend and and you know, performs for a living because I don't come from any performing background, Mm -hmm. you know. What do your parents do? My mom worked at a community outreach center and my father worked at a a few banks, Mm -hmm. you know, just very normal person jobs. Uh, And nobody I knew did anything like that. And I also, I remember when kids would do like plays and musicals uh, growing up, I was always very snotty about it. Like how? About like uh, these theater kids, they need so much attention. I'll sit here and stew, wanting attention, but I'm not going to let anybody know about it. Was that something? Um, was that an attitude passed down from your parents? Do you think? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think there's also a sense of like I wanted attention, but I I looked at what they were doing on stage and I was like, I don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So when I- did you start performing, and how? I started performing when I went to college. Oh. When I went to the University of Notre Dame. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. I grew up right around there. Where in South Bend? Uh, just over the state line in Michigan in a small town called Edwardsburg. Okay. Literally like 20 minutes from there. Not far from Niles, maybe? Yeah, very close to there. Yeah. Crazy. I, I, know, about, I know about that border because uh, if you wanted to get uh, beer at a certain time, I think it was late Saturday because Sundays you could not get alcohol in indiana but you could get it into michigan and it was very close uh, to the border so sometimes if it like once it passed midnight on saturday night and people needed to get beer they'd go up to niles yeah and be like what up <laughs> <laughs> Michi- uh, michiana yep mm-hmm. is the weird name for that region hanging out Love at it. university park mall a lot Ugh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes uh yeah granger mishawaka yep. you know all the weird northern indiana mm-hmm uh neighborhoods and mm. cities and yeah but i went i went to notre dame and i had always wanted to do stand-up even from like as a kid in high school like i said it felt like it felt unrealistic because i didn't know anybody who could do it and how do you even do it and also you see it on tv you're like it's a magic trick so i would write jokes uh and just put them under my mattress i didn't know what i didn't know where to put them <laughs> i didn't know what to do with them but no one could see them it was very important right. i'm sure my parents saw them uh <laughs> were they good the jokes, you know, I ended up telling some of those jokes when I started doing stand up in college, mm-hmm. but no, I don't think they were good. <laughs> uh, they were, they were actually one that I can remember was particularly wrong in terms of uh, its predictions. Mm-hmm. It was based on like I back in two thousand three or four. I remember seeing some ad on the internet about like 
get a bunch of basically they weren't called this yet but get a bunch of emojis like don't you want all these emojis and my take was like who needs them and they're like the most popular thing and i use emojis constantly and i was like why do you need so many I went through an anti-emoji and even before that anti-emoticon phase as well. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to pepper my my words with this cute bullshit. Yeah. But now I like them. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. But yeah, so we both had the wrong take. <laughs> <laughs> very wrong take. <laughs> I remember that being a, an early, a very early um, joke mm-hmm. of mine. Uh, Are they still under your old mattress? No. I don't, know, I don't know what I did with them. I might have just thrown them away out mm. of shame. Okay. So uh, you go to Notre Dame. And I, so I'd always wanted to do stand up. And then when I learned that other students were doing stand up, I was like, oh, well, if these motherfuckers can do it, <laughs> like I'm the one who's serious about it in my head. And these guys are just getting on. So then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do one of these student nights. And then as soon as I did it, I was, I was hooked. If you hadn't gone in that direction, like what was your other career ambition? So I had been pursuing art, like mm. drawing and painting. And that's what I was pretty good at. And so it seemed like, all right, that's what I should pursue. Uh, and that's why I was going to school for that. That was the track mm-hmm. that I was At on. Notre Dame? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like fine art? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say studio art. Sure. I think might have been the major specifically. Uh, but I realized after I had really liked doing stand-up and writing and, and stuff like that, and I just didn't have the passion for drawing mm-hmm. anymore, that's when I kind of tried to shift my – uh, focus. And so did you do stand up all throughout college? Mm-hmm. What did you did. end up majoring in? I ended up majoring in film and TV because it seemed like a more appropriate thing given mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. And then, then what did you do? So I, in the middle of college, I went to Second City for a semester long abroad study program. Uh, and that was great. And that, that's what got me to Chicago, got me really doing stand up, like doing stand up frequently in Chicago at open mics. And then I had to go back to school for a year, and I was like, this sucks. I want to go back to Chicago. I want to be at a place where I can do stand-up because at Notre Dame, it was like unless I personally <clears throat> unless I personally put together the shows, they wouldn't happen. Mm. So it was like the burden was really on me to make these uh, events happen and, mm-hmm. and give myself the stage time. And, and in Chicago, you go up every night. So I was like, I got to get back there. So I graduated, went back to Chicago. And then was doing, and that's where really my comedy career started mm-hmm. on a on a not uh, super comfortable, easy college way, because the college audiences were just shocked that a student was doing stand up, and then I was given a lot of credit. <laughs> so then, and and how long were you there before? Did you come to L.A. after that? Yeah, so six years, or no, more like five years in Chicago, and then been here for six years. And what? How old are you? I'm 32. What? No, oh, I should I should know that based on the 31 for 31. Well, that's uh, that's e- that's even a little complicated because okay, it wasn't released on my birthday. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the it I came up with the idea to do the 31 videos on my 31st birthday and then oh. just released it whenever. But it was it just makes it's a still, lot. It still works. Yeah, but it, it, when people people just kind of picked up on the thirty one videos on his thirty first birthday, right. and I don't correct people because who gives a shit? Right. But but really, it was thirty one videos for his thirty first birthday. Yeah, or for my thirty first year or whatever. Yes. You say. Yeah. Yes, I feel duped. Release thirty one while I'm thirty one. 
I feel so duped that it makes me want to go exercise to burn off all this angry energy. <laughs> the queen of transition. I don't know why again. you guys are laughing. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's what I was going to say. Right? Uh, and if I'm going to go burn off some energy doing some exercise, I would recommend nothing more highly than Les Mills On Demand. I am in love with Les Mills On Demand. This is uh, a streaming exercise fitness app they have tons of different programs you can do i have a stationary bike i like to do the bike and they have one called the ride and it's got there's a trainer in there who's like telling you when to increase the intensity and lower the intensity and uh then there's like really cool music there's there's a bunch of different uh, ones and there's different there's good music and there's like really cool visuals so you're like riding through different worlds and it's great and uh as daniel said recently he's never seen me exercise as hard as when i'm doing this because it really keeps me motivated because on my own i just kind of ride and then i take a break and this but with um <clears throat> with this trainer in my ear i am going 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 with workouts starting from 15 minutes to 55 minutes you can squeeze these in no excuses over 800 fitness workouts from yoga dance cycling hit strength training and kids workouts you're certain to find something you love um yeah it's just great new workouts are added each week quality instruction and motivation uh, and an online global fitness community. Right now, for our listeners, we have a special offer from Less Mills On Demand where you can get 21 days free access to their fitness app. So don't wait and go to trylessmills.com slash best friend. That's T-R-Y-L-E-S-M-I-L-S dot com slash best friend to get this special offer. Again, go to trylessmills.com slash best friend. Trylessmills dot com slash best friend. Do it, you guys. I'm super into it. I'm also super into Rothy's. So let's say, because I'm still angry. I forget why I'm angry, but we talked earlier about something that, oh, I know. It was the way the joke was all a lied to all of us and duped all of us. Mm -hmm. I'm angry and I want to turn on my heel and walk away fast, but I don't want to get blisters. No. I want to be able to take, <laughs> I want to be able to take these <laughs> new shoes, these stylish, comfortable flats right out of the box, put them on and then march away from Joe and his mm -hmm. lies. My deception. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to want them to be Rothy's. Yeah. Everyone knows they're stylish, sustainable, comfortable, washable. They're really the all-in-one pair of shoes, which means they're truly the perfect gift for the special woman in your life. They're chic. They're comfortable. They go with everything, whether she likes a classic black flat or a wild leopard print Chelsea boot. Um, Rothy's have a huge range of colors and patterns to choose from, and uh, they often sell out. And people become kind of... Uh, uh, they become Rothy's enthusiasts and, and they want to get all the different ones. So I'm just saying, go to their website, see what you like, and then get it before it sells out. Um, they have a number of different profiles. They're made from recycled water bottles and you think, oh, I don't want crunchy shoes. They're not crunchy at all, you guys. They're like this, they're like fabric, sturdy, soft, washable fabric. They're great and they make a great gift. Order by December 20th for delivery by December 25th and dazzle people with the perfect present. Check out all the amazing styles available right now and give the gift of comfort, style, and sustainability by going to rothys.com slash Allison. That's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash Allison, rothys.com slash Allison. Do you feel like you're in the presence of a real talent, Joe? I mean, a broadcaster. Mm, thank you. Unreal. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Such an arrogant question. I mean, but I was, I was semi-joking. Uh, I know. Okay. 
<laughs> I was playing into it. I know. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, um, I, I knew two guys. Okay. We, all, we all knew what yeah. was happening. The listener. I want all the listeners right now to be like, I know. We know. Everyone. <laughs> every, this is a ripple of I know. Yeah. Everyone knows. Someone has their headphones. They look at someone. They go, we knew. And then that person's like, I know. <laughs> then do and they, then break... they say it to someone else. They yeah. say it to their baby. They're pushing in Australia. Then they... <laughs> He <laughs> pulls out pacifier. I knew. Speaking <laughs> of babies, words. I love that. Um, Joe, are you watching The Mandalorian? No, I'm not. Are you a fan of that whole world? I'm. Uh, I'll watch the movies. Okay, but that's kind of where I come in. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find someone less into all of that than I am. Mm-hmm. No offense, Tony. I, I don't care. You like what you like. That's right. That's right. That's like what Joe's mom probably says said to him growing up. You like what you like. Just like a real, yeah, a real Apple Apple Jacks commercial. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Daniel was telling me about the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and he made it sound so fucking cute. It is that now. I, now I'm uh, on the second episode, and You're I'm in. enjoying it. I'm oh. in. Although I have to say, the color palette of this world is so depressing and drab. Yeah. Well, I mean, Star yeah. Wars needs a splash of color. It has it at times, but yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, the, the cuteness general, is only in the baby, but yeah. Yeah, the baby has some color to him. Yeah. But in general, it's just a real earth tone, dusty mm-hmm. earth tone, well, rust it's color. It's kind of like a Western. They're That's doing what it Daniel like a Western, said, yeah. yeah. Does mm-hmm. everyone know, is this just known among people who are into this, <laughs> that it's like a Western? Yeah, I mean, I think they kind of have said that, that they're oh, kind they of trying to make like a, a space Western. I haven't, haven't been following the uh, chatter no? and reading the articles about <laughs> it, but Baby Yoda, so cute. Yep. Real cute. A perfect marketing move. Mm-hmm. It, I, I think of it cynically like that, but it is It kind just of like, is, because it drew me in, and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, I mean, like, take Yoda, make him a dang baby. It's gold. Yeah, I get it. I'm in, and I'm not watching the show, and I'm just like, this is this rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not Yoda. No. It's not. No, I and I had, I had that question. It's everyone's question who isn't a huge nerd. Right. Yeah, but no one, it's all anyone can call it, because... They have never even revealed what the name of that species is, which is very rare in oh. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Usually they're all about the taxonomy. Especially yeah. George Lucas just seems like he's got a, a fucking name for everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that dude. Yeah. Like I, when Daniel was explaining it to me, I was like, how do you know their man? How do you know Boba Fett was a Mandalorian? Was that in the movies? But apparently that wasn't. But no. everyone knows anyway. Because it was in all the adjunct. Yeah, there's chatter. there's so much like super fan stuff that like books and cartoons and there's just yeah there's 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 huge, a real expanded universe. Yes, mm. there are huge backstories for literally characters that you barely see, and there's there's huge backstories for characters cut out of the movie. Wow. Yeah. All right, let's get back to Joe. <laughs> yes. What is a Mandalorian, if I may ask one last question? Please, what does that mean? Ask is, it is it a Tony. species? Is that um, No, it, it, the armor that he wears, like that is... That's the, what these... Mandalorians were? Yes. All and right. that is, they're from this planet called I got Mandalore. It. They're from right. Mandalore. Mm. But they're just mm. humans. Oh, great. Oh, Thank, they are? Yeah. Thank God. But they wear that armor. Wait, I and they never take off their helmet. Mm. I didn't know they're humans. Mm-hmm. Damn. Huh. I yeah. feel like he's got to really his... It by seems this. to be... It's throwing me. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, I feel... And the guy playing him, I feel, is kind of a known actor. So I feel like he's... Who even is though it? Even though his name is Pedro Pascal. He mm. was on um, Narcos on Netflix. And oh, he was sure. also, Apparently he was on Game of Thrones, too, but I'm not a Game of Thrones guy. No, me neither. What kind of guy are you, Joe? Oh, who, me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... Oh, am I watching... I feel like I'm not watching a ton of TV right now. I watched Righteous Gemstones. Is that good? Yeah. Oh, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, it's very funny. What is it? 
it's Danny McBride's show mm. with John Goodman where they are a family, like almost like a mega church family. Okay. Uh, and it's great. And then I watched, I, I think you should leave, which was very, oh, yeah. very funny. Uh, and those are the only two shows I've ever seen. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh boy, Joe. There's mm-hmm. once you, if those you are decide, the only two shows, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> Wait, no, huh? no. There's only two shows you've seen, oh. but, but if I, there's huh? so many more shows that exist. Nah, if know. you decide you want to become someone who watches TV, just that could you be wait. my thing. <laughs> that was my thing growing up. Was it really? You know, I watched, I really planted in front of the TV and then that was it. Mm, what were your favorite shows? Uh, I watch every night in high school, I would record The Daily Show and Late Night with Conan O'Brien and then I would watch it first thing when I got home from school the next day. Mm-hmm. Every single day. It was not like an occasional thing. It was a strict religious thing. And if I missed an episode, it was a problem. Because you're a completist. Yeah. Do you have OCD? I, I was. I'm, I'm very – I have been able to uh, address that problem mm. and overcome it. And now I'm pretty pretty cool and, and I'm not that way if I miss something or if I – because it used to be a little bit of a pack rat too. Right. Okay. Like a hoarder? And I, I let not, me end it, let me say something. Okay. I feel like I'm a, I'm applying terms that pathologize what you're talking about, and that's unfair. I uh, I believe very strongly in therapy. I'm in mm-hmm. therapy and all this, so I I toss these terms around, of but course. I don't, but I don't mean it in any negative in a derogatory. Way. Yeah, yeah, because like I feel like I I can tend towards OCD mm-hmm. habits and stuff. Oh, like absolutely. That, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was I would say I was a little bit like that at one time, but now I I no longer am. Okay. And I feel good about that. Do you tend towards compulsiveness, compulsiveness or fastidiousness? Uh, I don't think so. But you did. I, or you yeah, just did. I mean, I, I feel like I did, but I always felt like it was a choice as opposed to a compulsion. That, that's fair. My, my mother likes to diagnose mm. these things. Um, and, you know, maybe she's right. But, like, I used to, in high school, every other day, I, it would either be... So I, I broke it down. Do you guys are, did you guys have this in high school where you'd have A days and B days? No. The like block scheduling yeah, thing? Yeah, block scheduling. So on A days you have gym and then on B days you have the lab from your chemistry class or whatever. So it was a way Wait, to... Wait, you guys only had gym every other day? Yeah. Oh, you lucky bastards. Mm, you, wow, you were, you were doing... <laughs> I was an everyday person. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, so that was how they would they would do it. That's why I'm so fit. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, and now now I'm glad we finally got to the bottom right. of the secret. Uh, I so- thought it was less Mills. <laughs> both. Well, I started. <laughs> it's both. It's both. <laughs> but yeah, 80s and B days, and so it one of the minor minor struggles of high school is is it an A day or B day? It would be a question you'd kind right. of ask. Sure. I would wear Simpsons t-shirts on A days oh. and band shirts on B days. <laughs> always and it helped me keep myself aware of what the day was and it got to a point where then it helped my friends know what day was because they would look at what shirt i was wearing that's kind of amazing but here's the, how did you make sure that you wore put on the right shirt at home what did i wear yesterday and you never got it wrong in all your no. time Mm-mm. tony you had a b days too mm-hmm. well, i wonder when this started because i'm um 947 you're like a couple years older than oh that's me. right i always forget i'm only a couple wait that's weird i'm only two, like two years older than you tony yeah but we didn't have that yeah well i didn't i didn't when i growing up in michigan originally no but when my family moved to virginia 
and I started high school, that's when. Mm. Maybe so maybe re- it was regional. the East Coast, yeah. yeah. Did you guys go to public high schools? I mm-hmm. did. Same. Um, so what was high school like for you, aside from the shirt? Yeah, I would wear the shirts. Uh, super cool. As you can tell, a guy who's wearing Simpsons shirts every other day. But super popular. Shirts? And I mean, the bands were not cool, though. Uh, what, Love and Spoonful? I mean, <laughs> all, nearly. Uh, it would be because I was a classic rock guy. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about winning radio contests yes. on here before. So, I, yeah, I was a classic rock guy, so I would go to classic rock concerts, and then I would always grab a T-shirt from the concert. And it was bands like fucking Jethro Tull, which is not cool. <laughs> that would have been cool in my high school, I think. Yeah, but oh, I, let me tell you, 2004, walking around with a Jethro <laughs> right. Tull t-shirt, not very cool. What was considered cool in 2004? Like Col- Justin Timberlake? Coldplay, oh. Outkast. Uh, right. And I liked, I liked that music, although I would have a hard time admitting it. Because I was a, I was a little bit of a snob. Mm. That 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 way you can get when you like discover older music or like, yeah. the way I got. Yeah, just like yeah, new music just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> new that- music, no, 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 new music is good. Like being that right. blanket, like no new music is good. Where had you been introduced to? How were you introduced to classic rock? Um, through the radio and like through my friend Greg, who also had that kind of opinion mm. about like new music just doesn't cut it. Me, I like Pink Floyd. You Were know. your parents into music? Mm-hmm. We liked the same music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was, I guess, nice for them. I think they were just like, oh, this is... My son likes the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and we also like those bands. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't from your parents that you were introduced to it, really? No. No, no, no. It was it was through my friend Greg, and then through... And I got really into that radio station, then I started winning contests, and then it kind of ate itself, because it was like, I can win more contests if I do more things, and I like this music, and then, yeah. Ate itself like an Ouroboros? Yeah, in the, in the sense of like, okay, I like this music, but then I can, the more I like this music, the more I can win contests. Right. And then the more I'm winning contests, the more I'm liking this music. Right. And then, the more know. you can induct people just like you into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and that, and that fully was a, was part of it, of like, oh, and there's this thing called the Hall of Fame, and they do this concert, and I can watch it on VH1, you know. So, you are saying that you were not cool in high school. No, but I think... But you uh, had friends because they were friends. judging the day based on your shirt. Yeah, I did have friends and I was... I was liked. I mean, I was a... I was a funny kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to make people laugh. And I was sociable, I suppose. Uh, but there there were times in different uh, years in high school, maybe middle school, where I didn't understand the difference between good attention and bad attention. And I would do, I mean, we talked about this before. Yeah. We talked about my limp. Yeah, this has come <laughs> up. <laughs> that was probably middle school. But I wanted to hear more about it. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So there, there would be, th- I mean, throughout the years, I, I started to understand a little bit more uh, about what is good attention. Because when I was in elementary school, I remember... I pretended to be in love with a tree (laughs) and like my girlfriend was a tree and I would like sit next to the tree and stuff. And I liked that people were looking at me. I just didn't fully get that. That wasn't necessarily a positive thing. Right. That like, you know, and I liked that people were talking about it and like talking amongst themselves about what I'm doing, you know, which is a a strange pathology that, Mm. I mean, it, it, you can kind of draw a line from that to stand up. Right. So how did this, like, how did it work that your girlfriend was the tree and you, how did people find out about it? Oh, I mean, I made sure people knew about it. I wasn't doing it for myself. Right. I was doing it for the audience. <laughs> right. You know, cause I, and I did think it was like funny too. That did was the, like a big part of it. Did the tree have a name? I'm sure it did. I, but I, that aspect I don't remember. Okay. 
but I just remember sitting and it was a smaller tree <laughs> and I would just like sit next to it uh, and like pretend to talk to it. Uh, Did you make out with it? No, my God. <laughs> that would be insane. I mean, what am I, crazy? <laughs> anyway, I would talk to the tree. <laughs> and did your, the teachers call your parents or anything? No. I mean, because I, I would like to think that they were on board with like... They were in on the joke? Joe's goofing around. Right. Yeah. I would eat, put my napkin in my sandwich. <laughs> Well, that it. is funny. Yeah, right? <laughs> but I had to, I, that did get back to my parents and they were not thrilled. Because you were actually eating paper. Yeah, no, I was swallowing. Like it was, yeah. Which is made from trees. Mm. Cannibalism. Can't, yeah, exactly. What else did you do? This is fun. Yeah. I'm trying to remember like th- those two things I remember very specifically. I remember once in a reading class and that we're, we're going younger than high school, uh, there was some class where we had to almost do like a murder mystery kind of mm. thing. Wow, and what a cool class. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um and then I remember I played like a judge and I had a judge's robe and then I I wore the judge's robe like throughout the entire school day. Uh just cuz I liked the idea of people being like what's going on with that guy. Mm-hmm. And I oh man, the maybe strongest memory from that those two days or whatever until the teacher asked me for the row back uh, <laughs> was that I had to go up and do something on the on the board in math class and a kid put his foot down on the <gasps> robe so that no. I just face planted. Oh. Yeah. Pretty embarrassing. Jerk. Yep. You know, people are different. And so I must, I'm being the bully. People are different. So I must do something about it. Right. So then at some point you faked a limp. Yeah, this is probably middle school, and I think this coincided with like my brief uh, interest in pro wrestling. Mm. And I thought I was like Mick Foley, who you know, kind of one of his characters kind of walked with a limp. And I was like, well, if I do that, that's one way where people could be like, oh, what's he about? What has he done? <laughs> right? Where's he been? Uh, but that was very short lasting because my my mom saw me and was like, don't do that. Mm. And I went, okay, I'm sorry. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Okay, sorry. I won't do it. I won't do it again. I'm sorry, Mom. I am wondering when the last time you like, do you feel like you have totally sorted out good attention from bad attention? But first But first. <laughs> but first I need to talk about you're talking about being an individual as a kid. You probably imagine uh-huh. imagine if your unique style okay. could be catered to by a personal styling service that you take a style quiz and then they put together a box of items mm-hmm. that you're going to like mm-hmm. and they send them right to you. But let's say they get it wrong. Let's say you don't like them. You can send them right back. Exchanges, shipping, returns are always free. This was a real long-winded way of telling you about Stitch Fix Kids. Stitch Fix Kids is great. It's an online personal styling service for your kids that delivers children's clothes, shoes, and accessories directly to your door. You may be familiar with Stitch Fix because um, a-, a lot of adults use this. They have it for men, for women, but now they're uh, extending the service to kids and they have every style you want from sporty to preppy to boho to help boys and girls and young Joe Quazalas everywhere find <laughs> their style. Uh, get started today at stitchfix.com slash kids slash BFF to try Stitch Fix and get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. And as a bonus, Stitch Fix will waive the $20 styling fee when you use this show's special URL. That's stitchfix.com slash kids slash BFF, stitchfix.com slash kids slash BFF. Also, I want to tell you guys about a super fun uh, video game that you can play on your phone. You know me. I'm not a 
gamer. This is a uh, a fun game that will appeal to gamer to non gamers and potentially gamers alike. But this is like one of those uh, mindless but totally compelling addictive in the best way kind of games and it is called best fiends uh super fun the characters are bugs there's great music there's great voices uh and it's just uh it's like very it's very i feel like that's what you want in a game you play on your phone you want something that you can just pull out and just play when you have some time and it is uh like addictive in a really good way and that's this game uh Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Uh, trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right. Okay. So, yeah. Do you feel like you have a handle on good attention versus bad attention now? Now? Yeah. Yes, I do. I think so. I would, God, I would hope so. Maybe I don't. Maybe in a few years I'll be like, God, when I was 32, <laughs> the things I thought were acceptable. No, but I think, I think I've got a good handle on it. When do you think you got that? Ooh, good question. It will probably sometime in college. Because mm. I remember it, it's a little different flavor of it, but when I was in college, uh, the first year I remember being a ham. Like just trying to like suddenly there's all these new people and I can make them laugh. And so I'm like I was I would do anything to make them laugh to, to the point probably of embarrassing myself. Uh, and I, I remember that's probably the last last strong memory I have of like, oh, you didn't fully have a grip on it yet on what was uh, people being like laughing, but they're maybe raising their eyebrows like, <laughs> what's this guy doing? Mm hmm. How's your relationship with your mom now? Great. Yeah, I talk to my parents weekly. They, both of them, love to travel to see me do stand-up or to just see me in general. I went to New York last week, and then they were like, okay, we'll come. And I was like, oh, all right. (laughs) Sure, I guess. I'm not going to stop you. They're both retired. They need stuff to do. Do you feel like... um because you mentioned feeling like you're a bit of a mama's boy, mm-hmm. like sort of very, very much under the sway of your mom. Yes. Um, yeah. You cared a lot about her. What she said goes, went, would you say? <laughs> um, yeah, probably. And so how, where are you with that now? Uh, she, she has no control over me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I will, t- I mean, I will, I will take, my mom is a smart woman. So like I will take into account her advice. Should I need it? Should I ask her mm-hmm. for it? Or if she has something to say. I will. I'm not doing anything to make my mom upset or do anything that would ever uh, hurt her or, like, yeah, even annoy her. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that respect. But also, I'm my own man, baby. That's right. <laughs> I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> and also, my mom does. I mean, my mom maybe like a classic mom has some pretty uh, not great ideas for my career. <laughs> in like a class like you should have you ever thought about making like a tv show like that kind of thing you know and it's it's usually not that uh you know basic but sometimes she'll just say like you should do what if you wrote a joke about this and it's always like all right (laughs) i don't think that's happening so uh when did you decide when and why did you decide to move to la uh when you're in chicago doing comedy you hit a ceiling and you also don't want to get stuck mm. doing uh, comedy in Chicago. That's a thing. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, it can get very comfortable. 
and you can uh, you can achieve a lot and then feel good and you can feel like you're the fucking king of the scene and it's easy and you can go to a show or an open mic and they'll throw you up and you can do whatever you want you know and you're doing shows a lot and the audiences are great and it's a great town to live in but it is very difficult to keep a career going and if you're serious about it Unless you move to Los Angeles or New York. Mm-hmm. That's just how it goes. Just where the opportunity, that's, the industry that's where is. The, yeah, that's where yeah. the biz is. So at a certain point, you have to make that decision. And I wanted to do that before I felt like I was, I had lost my youth. Mm-hmm. You know, I moved when I was, I had just turned 26, which felt about right. I felt like I had put in my time mm-hmm. in Chicago, but I hadn't overstayed my welcome. And I wanted it to be like, okay, I, I don't, I want to do it before it feels like it's too late. Like, if even if it feels a little bit early, that's probably a good thing. Right. And so that was 2013, the and summer of 2013. Did you just come, like, no job, no anything? Yeah. Just uprooted. The only thing that I came here with was a, a good amount of friends mm-hmm. and I, that I had been collaborating with and, and making shows and writing with. And so we all moved out here around the same time. Was that by on purpose? Yes. It was kind of by design. And the idea was we were going to take the show we were doing in Chicago and do it out here, uh, which didn't work out. But we all moved out here at the same time. And it was very nice. That is nice. Because I know it can be very isolating to move to any new city. Uh, but especially Los Angeles can be particularly rough. Yeah. Did you live with them? I did not, but I lived near them. Mm -hmm. So how was it when you came out? Rough, terrible, awful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was nice that they were there, but it was, there were so many things, uh, that that go along with that transition and trying to find a place to live and trying to find a way to make money. And the other thing when you move out with other people is like, you're also a little bit dealing with their shit. Mm. You know, and it was, you know, I had a friend who ended up, he started doing heroin again. Oh, boy. And so it got very, very uh, difficult and stressful for those first few months uh, in Los Angeles. It's funny. Whenever someone's like, oh, you know, that first year, that first year when you moved to LA, it's really hard. And I'm like, yeah, Dan starts doing heroin again. (laughs) (laughs) I did because I can't imagine like, yeah, oh, I know, but I have a very specific thing and I don't fully know what you're talking about. (laughs) Right. Um, what happened to the friend? Oh, I mean, we had to like send him back to Chicago. It like got very rough. Uh, what What was it about moving to LA that coincided or caused his relapse? Well, he had never really lived alone. He had lived with his parents in Chicago mm. and had kind of that security with it. And he was already, to be fair, like slipping a little bit mm-hmm. into like drinking again. Was he sober? Like had he gone to rehab or... He had been sober for a long time, but he had started to not be sober. Okay. And it was, it was, it was a difficult thing because we were all ready to move and for ourselves and our careers. And he had kind of started relapsing before then. And it's not a thing I had ever really dealt with before. And I wish I had taken it a little bit more seriously because he not, she should not have moved. But I was focused on my own shit. We were all kind of focused on this group mentality and trying to get our careers going. And we all move out at the same time and we all pursue this thing together. But the fact that he was already starting to dabble, this was just such a a rough transition. And it was coming from living in a house rent-free to having to try to figure it out in Los Angeles. And so that was really tough. In addition to the hardships that everyone faces when they move to Los mm-hmm. Angeles. So it really compounded that. When you say you wish it, you had taken it more seriously, like what do you wish you had done differently? 
I wish I had understood his what was going on with him uh, and what he needed and what was right for him. Was oh, he trying to not make the move? Like, was he no, wanting... He, I he mean, want- he wanted to make the move, but it probably wasn't, and it's not really my place to say. Right, it's not your responsibility. No, but I wish... I, yeah, and when I say that, I mean, I wish I could have said to him or or thought more about, like, I don't know if this is the best day. Who, who knows what I could have done? Yeah. Who knows if I could have swayed him? But he'd also been thinking about moving to New York, and he had family in New York, and that maybe would have been a better support system. Mm. He really didn't know anybody out here in that regard. And if I had just thought, I don't know, it, there is, all, I mean, he he has since passed away. Oh no! And so oh, it's so you you have a lot of that type of thinking of yeah. revisionist and thinking, what could I have done at this point? Could I have? It's the maybe savior mentality of like, could I have? Right. If if something had turned and gone a different direction at this point, could things have wound up differently? Right. So it's just kind of a natural thing to right. be regretful of a lot of steps along a very hard road. Yeah. No, that makes now knowing that he passed away, that makes sense that you've gone through everything and sort yeah. of interrogated. And you, you try to think <laughs> of memory. different different parts where. It could have been different. What could have been a significant enough change? Right. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thanks. So how wait, how soon after you moving out here did that happen? So he was only out here for a few months when we uh, made sure he went back to Chicago, and then within a year. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. It was a it was a really difficult. Uh, but one thing I will say is, uh, we and people who loved him were very lucky that he left behind a very great body of work. He was so, so funny. His name's Dan Ronan. And we set up a website where you can go, you can go to danronan.com and you can see uh, all the videos and writing that he did. And he really, really was exceptionally funny. And we used to do a show called the late live show, which was a a talk show that I hosted. Is that the one that you guys were thinking you'd do out here? Yeah. And we tried to do it at IO West and it was a disaster. Um, uh, He used to do character bits on that show that to this day are as funny as anything I've ever seen. I'm going to have to go check it out. Yeah. What, what happened when you tried to do the show at IO West? (laughs) So like we were kind of, we had this Chicago mentality of like, we used to do it at midnight in Chicago and it was like a fun late night show. So we were doing it at 11 PM on Friday at IO West and that strip, there's no, there's no business for a comedy club or Mm -hmm. comedy venue to be on the Hollywood Boulevard, like in the, in the fucking butthole of Hollywood. (laughs) So we were next to a um, club, like a dance club Mm -hmm. that was so loud. It literally shook the theater. It shook IO West. And so I'm trying to have like a conversation, like an interview or do right. my monologue, all these things that timing is very important in the quiet moments. And it, you can you can tell what song is playing. <laughs> and my desk is shaking. And it was just <laughs> so, so embarrassing. It was awful. How many times did you guys do it? We So we were like real gung-ho. So we locked in for six weeks. <laughs> And we Sorry. really, yeah, no, no, no. It was, it was hysterical. <laughs> the fact that we were like, we're going to hit the ground running. We don't know anybody, but we're going to do this show. Yeah. And they were kind of like, when we talked to them, they were like, well, maybe you'll do it like once a month. And we're like, no, it's very important for us to do this grind and to do it every single week. It helps us build an audience and like, we're going to do it. We want to, I think we maybe had committed to like seven shows. And uh-huh. then towards the end, we were like, we're, we're done. <laughs> we're not doing this anymore. And you couldn't change time slots. Or was that against the I, uh, I don't think spirit we of the show? I don't think we – at that point – I think I had asked. I mean, when things – when shit hit the fan, yeah. I was pursuing every option. I mean, the the best thing that I was able to do was to make sure that we were not losing money mm-hmm. because, like, the deal we got was not the deal that we had signed up for. Right. 
Oh my god, those memories are just like us fucking huffing it to the Hollywood. And I mean the butthole of Hollywood, <laughs> and it's just it feels like is Iowa West still around? No, it, it where it was since, it? It was on. It was basically Cahuenga and Hollywood. Oh, Ugh. yeah. It's uh, it's like by the Walk of Fame. <laughs> yeah, and it's if you've ever been there uh, late at night on a it's weekend. Sketchy. I and I also later would I worked as a Lyft driver and if you ever wound up in Hollywood like at two a.m. Uh-huh. on a Saturday you'd be like what what have I done <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to be here <clears throat> terrible just a just an awful place that no one should ever go to did people go to the shows no <laughs> I mean like some we were able to get some people at certain shows but like often I think we had a show like close to Halloween which was oh, an even better time to be in Hollywood yeah. <laughs> I mean that's like when it gets apocalypse levels right on the, on the streets of Hollywood uh, yeah it just the, the the showing was was piss poor in terms of the audience and we didn't know anybody so like who was even gonna go we hadn't even a little bit established ourselves so it was it was a rough time who were the friends would I have heard of the friends that you moved out here with? Um, I don't think so. Um, there is, if I can uh, promote, uh, yeah, of course. Chris Stevens and Joe McAdam have a sketch group called Butt, and they're very, very funny. Uh, and they do they do shows occasionally at Dynasty Typewriter, and also they put out videos. and And they were a core part of of that crew. But it was me and them. Uh, and then a woman named Megan Green, who has since moved back to Chicago, who's one of the funniest people uh, I've ever met. So come out, uh, rough beginning, mm-hmm. and then when did it start turning around? About a year, almost to the date. I mean, I had left my bad living situation. I was living with someone from Craigslist who was a, a maniac. Left that, moved to the place I'm still living in today. So that was a good shift. Uh, I start, I mean, it, it feels like a weird thing to say is like a positive, but like I did start driving for Lyft and started making money. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I had some sort of, after trying other things, a relatively steady source of income. And then the group that I had moved out with, we had uh, teamed up with another group from Chicago who had moved out and started a new show at Nerd Melt called The Wheel Show, and that ended up being a success. Mm -hmm. So all those things kind of lined up at the same time, and then I felt a little bit better about myself. Do you make – because I feel like I've heard that you can make crazy good money driving for Lyft. I mean, back then, and we're talking like 2014 – it was maybe a little bit better. I mean, mm-hmm. because Lyft and Uber are so competitive, specifically within Los Angeles, it has really driven the rates down quite a bit. And I think as new drivers sign up, the percentage that you take is now lower. But when I was doing it, you would get 80%. And if you hit a benchmark, you would get 90%. Wow. Uh, it was not bad. Did it, you? Were the people nice usually? Yeah. They were so nice that like the mean people I can remember by like face. Like what they looked like, what they looked like, and what they did to me. <laughs> what was the worst thing done to you? The worst was it was Valentine's. Uh, it was Valentine's Day, and I had picked up a couple downtown, and I was not getting good reception downtown. But I wanted to get them on their way right. to their destination. So I explained that to them, and I was like, "So uh, until the GPS kicks in, uh, let me know where I should go so I can get you on your way. Should I jump on the highway?" And the woman was like, "Yeah, get on, get on the highway." And I was like, "Okay, north or south?" And she was like, "South." So I got on the 110 South, 
and I'm driving and then the GPS kicks in mm. and my GPS is like, go the other way. <laughs> like, turn around. You shouldn't be doing this. So I was like, hey, I know you told me to get on the 110 South. Uh, should I be maybe going the other direction? That's what the GPS is saying. And then the guy gets really mad. He's like, what the fuck? Where are you going? What are you doing? This is not where we're supposed to go. Who's going to pay for this? What? You're making this fucking mistake. And oh, my I was God. Like, okay. Just, you know. You guys told me to get on the 110 South. But that's the other thing about being a Lyft driver is like you live and die by your rating. Right. So you you can't be. You yeah. You got to be so super sweet, nice to everybody. Because if you get a bad rating, like they maybe will kick you off or something oh. crazy. Uh, like, so it's not a great system in that regard. Uh, so I was just like, okay, no, th- that's fine. You know, if, if there is, I don't think it'll really affect the price. But if there is any problem, the Lyft uh, support is good their customer service is, is pretty good which is true and i was like we'll turn around get you where you're going he's like all right fucking who's gonna fucking pay for this and i was like all right it's it's it, you know it's okay uh we'll turn around we'll get you get you going on your way so then we're, we're going up the highway i know where to take them uh i've got that set and then the the woman is like why are we on the highway I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm just taking you to where you're supposed to go. Like, you need to get off, get off the highway. And he's like, yeah, get off the highway. And I was like, okay, sure. If you want to take back roads, we can take back roads. That's fine. So I get off the highway and I'm taking the back roads. And then the woman's like, where are we going? And I was like, <laughs> oh my well, God. we're just, we're headed. Uh, she's like, turn around. I was like, are you sure? Because I'm taking you to where it says your destination. She's like, yeah, this is the wrong way. Turn around. And we were on Santa Monica Boulevard. So when we were going west. Uh, so I turned around and we're going east. I don't, at this point, I'm like, I don't know where to take them. Yeah. But they're telling me that she was very forceful about turn around. So I turned around uh, and then we're driving for a little bit. And then the guy's like, where the fuck are we going? Oh my God. And I was like, uh, well, your girlfriend just told me to turn around. <laughs> so I turned around. I was just, I want to follow your directions. Maybe you wanted to go somewhere else. I don't know. I'm following where yeah. you're going. He's like, yeah, well, take us to where we're fucking going. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> all right. At this point, I'm like, re- I'm losing my mind. And yeah. How and many minutes now had you been in the car with them? Would you say 15? Maybe? Yeah. And then, uh, I was like, I think I maybe even pulled over and I was like, uh, let me know specifically where you want me to take you. You had told me to get on this road and then turn around. She's like, yeah, where are we? Are we going? I was like, we're going east on Santa Monica Boulevard. She was like, go north on Santa Monica Boulevard. And I was like, well, uh, I can't. Ma'am, I can't do that. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, just go north on Santa Monica Boulevard. And I was like, Santa Monica Boulevard runs east-west. You can't. She's like, yes, you can. Just go just go north. Were they drunk or something? I, they must have been, but they weren't drunk enough that you could right. like, tell that immediately. Right. Uh, and then like the, the guy starts like calling me some, uh, derogatory words. Oh, which ones? The ones I don't want to say. Um, and it's, yeah. And just, just kind of insulting me. He's like, how long you fucking lived here? You don't know where you're going. And it's like, how do you not understand or listen? Do you, you, you guys clearly never listen to each other. Because your because your girlfriend is telling me to go in a direction, and then five minutes later you get mad at me and don't understand why I'm going in that direction. This is crazy making. At, at a certain point, I cancel the ride because I cannot afford to have the one star that they're going to give me. Mm-hmm. Right. So they get a free ride, and eventually I take them. Oh my god! I drop them off somewhere near their house, I assume. And you know this guy is so he's he's it doesn't help that he's a bro too, oh. and he's just you know making fun of uh like the music i'm listening to you know and oh 
I hate yeah, and I, that. And I don't, I don't want to use the words that he was throwing at me. Uh, but it was, yeah, it really, really sucked. And they got out of the car and I screamed in my car alone so loud that like I hurt my throat. Can you give them a rating? I had canceled the red. Oh, but so, you do get, but they yeah, get do. a rating too. But I just, I could not afford. Right. They, if they, they would have said something so vicious that Lyft would have kicked me off and then I would have had to argue my way back in. I hate them so Ooh, strongly. I was, I had to like go to my friend's house and like pace. Yeah. You know, I had to, I, I bought myself a treat just to be like, hey, let yourself have something nice right what now. What was it? Uh, well, one, I got like a, I got like a Slurpee because my throat hurt because yeah. I screamed so much <laughs> just to like soothe my throat and I got like a Snickers or something. And then I went to my friend's house and just like kind of paced and explained to them what had just happened. But that was far and away the worst thing. Right. Everyone else mostly is just like cool and like whatever, you know, <sighs> but Oh my God. Why is this so, why is this like pushing my buttons so much? Well, it, 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 it's like, (laughs) it is so frustrating in a way that you've been frustrated before. Yeah. Where like, you're just trying to follow directions and people are getting mad at you. We've all had like bosses who are like that where you're right. ju- you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and they're mad at you for no reason. Yeah. So it like speaks to that universal thing that we've all experienced where we're like, right. I'm just doing my job and I'm te- I just I did what you told me to yes. do and now you're yelling at me uh, <laughs> what you wanted me to do. Yes. We have all been there in that yes. type of situation. Yes. Before. And that feels like very unfair to begin with. Because it's like, no, I'm being a good I'm being I'm, good. <laughs> I'm, I've been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. The I'm whole obeying time. the orders. And then, yeah. you give me, and then couple that with literally being trapped with them. Yeah. Being in a car with them. But also being treated like you're the dumb one mm-hmm. when yes. they're completely not yes. self-aware at all of they what have, they have no awareness and they're being so dumb and shitty. And, yeah. And, and then insulting you for being dumb and shitty and having that mm. like gag that uh, metaphorical gag in your mouth that you can't like set them straight at all or even defend yourself at all. No. Right. Yeah. Because you are also, there's fear right. of your, of your income. Yeah. You're worried that this could affect, if you do the wrong thing, you might not get to work anymore. That sucks. I, how old were they? Would you say? They were probably in their late twenties. I truly, I, I truly hate them. Yeah. Me too. I think, I mean, I think about them every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Happy Valentine's day. <laughs> I wonder what their fucking dinner was like before then. <laughs> Ugh. I want, do you think they're still together? Oh, 100%. Because they're just such awful people that they glom on to each yeah, other? Yeah. I mean, if they made it that far, because they, it, what I had kind of interpreted, sometimes you can tell, like, oh, they've been in a re- relationship for a while. This does not seem like a new thing. Right. And, like, if they made it that far, like, yeah, they are going to live terrible lives f- with each other forever. That's how I feel. Ugh. Now, you say he was a bro, like a sports bro, like a frat guy. What kind of bro? Um, Walt, like a business guy? Maybe like a business guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how did your Comedy Central half hour come about? Uh, it was a process that started... Hmm, I had been asked to audition for their Up Next mm. uh, Comics to Watch thing. Is that... What is that? That is basic. That's like entry-level Comedy Central uh, showcase where you get to perform at Clusterfest, which is their big annual festival in San Francisco. Used to be something else. Basically, though, every year, for a long time, they have had a Comics to Watch showcase. Used to be in New York. Now it's in San Francisco, Clusterfest. Basically, it's eight or so comics that they pick from across the country that they're saying, like, 
oh, okay, we like this comic and they are going to do the showcase. We're going to film it. We'll put it online. And now they're kind of in the system, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's like not spoken, but that's kind of the unspoken thing of like, okay, Comedy Central likes me. And that's what happened. I got to do that showcase, which felt great. Did they, now had you pursued anything or did they just reach out to you like cold? Someone had seen a clip of me that I had originally been reticent to even put online. Oh, wow. Because I was, uh, I felt weird about self-promotion. But I had a clip that I thought was really good. And I was like, well, why don't I just swallow my pride and put this clip out there at this time when you could put something on Facebook and like people would watch it, right? <laughs> uh, so I'd put it out there and it was a good clip and some of my friends shared it. And I think because my friend CJ Toledano shared it, it got on the radar of, of one of the assistants at Comedy Central. And she was like, you should audition for this uh, for this thing. It was Michelle Wylands. I thank her for everything because she got me through the door, uh, which kind of started this whole process. Mm-hmm. And... I auditioned. I had and I had auditioned maybe twice for it within the same year, and then I got it the second time. And then I did this festival, and it was great. And it felt I got to know everybody at Comedy Central, and so that was really nice. And I had kind of I had been aware of what you have to do before you can submit to a half hour, because that is also an unspoken thing, an unwritten thing. But that is something you need to have either done new faces at the Just for Laughs comedy festival in montreal or you have to have done this uh comics to watch showcase it was basically unless you have done those things then they're probably not going to take you Mm -hmm. seriously you take a look at who they put for the half hour no one has uh done it without having done those two things got it so then i felt like okay i've done this comics to watch thing now i feel like this is an attainable goal and I did not have any representation at the time. So I had to do this all by myself, which I'm proud of because that does not happen very often. Right. Uh, so I got to know the Comedy Central people and then I stayed in touch with them and found out when they were doing these submissions. And then uh, I got all the information. I set up a – this was back when Nerd Melt was a thing. And I had a show there, so I had a good relationship with them. Set up a show there, uh, taped a half hour, submitted it to Comedy Central, and then it took a very long time. I submitted it in December, and I didn't hear until July that I got it. And then I recorded in late January. So that's how it works? You tape a half hour and Mm -hmm. send it, and then they just say yes, and then you re-record it? Yeah. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Did you know that's how it works, Tony? No. It's a submission process. Interesting. And they're very specific about, like, you need to send us this length tape, and it has to be, you can send it, I think they do, like, this one day you can send it to us. There's very specific instructions. Mm. Um, where had you taped the one that you, excuse me, I don't know what's happening in my voice. Where had you taped the one that you sent in? So it was at Nerd Melt. I, that, that was a show I set up. Oh, you just, did you just say that? I did. But maybe it wasn't clear. So I'm glad you asked. Maybe people were like, what, <laughs> what did, why did he bring up Nerd Melt? I don't know. I know. I, I think it probably was clear. I think they're just like. Well, in case anyone happened. wasn't sure. Yeah. Now they really know. <laughs> yeah. So I was lucky to have a relationship with that venue. Uh, and they were they allowed me to set up my own show. And I had a few of my friends do like, you know, 10 minutes mm-hmm. before me. And then I recorded the set. And I had my friend, uh, Daniel Clark, who ended up filming all the videos, 31 videos. He has good gear. 
he really set it up so that it would sound nice. And I'm very, very grateful to have someone like that in my life so that my submission tape that was independently made looked reasonably good and sounded good. It's hard to do that. I mean, if you don't, yeah. Like if the barrier of entry for this is that you have to send them, send in something that's, this is one of those things where the, like the catch 22 of this industry or, or like that thing that you hear about, like, you need to already be at a certain level to get representation, but you need representation to get to that level. Yes, like I, you, and I have felt that way because yeah. uh, representation had eluded me for a very mm-hmm. long time, and I was very frustrated by that. Right. Um, so like, you need to already be at a level where you can do a half hour to get a half hour. But I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense, too. Yeah, that, that makes a little bit more sense. But I, it was also a thing of, I mean, I was just very lucky to know someone. I didn't have to like rent gear myself mm-hmm. or like hire somebody I didn't know to do it. I was I had a very good relationship with the person so that we could figure it out together and that he was invested in my success because we're friends and we're collaborators. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just like a job for somebody. He was like very careful and uh, considerate about the taping. And, you know, it's not just about the look of it. It's so much of it is about the sound, which sometimes can be overlooked or dismissed. Right. Uh, arguably, and, that's more important. And so he was setting up mics like around the theater, which is a level of care that I don't know that somebody, if I had just hired them, would have thought of. Right. Or I would have had to have paid them a lot to get that level of consideration. Tony, when we do Sketchfest, I want this level. Mics everywhere. We'll see. <laughs> um, Joe, Mike's on every seat. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give every audience member a lot of Yeah, <laughs> you just hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe. Yes. It was delightful having you on the show. Oh my gosh. It was delightful getting to know you. Uh, I look forward to more Joe. My God, and you you'll you'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't wait. Uh, and listeners, if you like this, then you're going to want to go to Patreon because we're doing a bonus Patreon episode with Joe, where we're going to answer your questions, and I'm making Tony be part of it too. And we've got some questions for Tony. Oh, really? Yeah. But this by is the, news to me. By the time you guys hear this, that is already up. So you, you right now you can go, go get it. and Stop you can get it. That's right. That's this? right. Um, well, no, stay for a couple stay. more minutes because <laughs> we're going to go around the table and say where everyone can find us. Joe, plug all your things. Yes. Oh, my Lord. Okay. So you can follow me on Twitter at Joe K. Joe K. You can follow me at Instagram, Joe Kwa, J-O-E-K-W-A. And then my I put most of my dates and stuff up there for stand-up. Uh, but joequazala.com is also where I put my shows. If you feel like looking up, seeing if I'm coming to your town, Connecticut, uh, Royal Oak, Michigan, Las Vegas, Pittsburgh. I'm coming to all these places very soon. So check it out. I'm at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. Listen to my other podcast, Childish. I'm on Cameo. I'm also on Patreon at Allison Rosen on both of those. Um, and uh, go to AllisonRosen.com for all other things. I have a book out. Uh, go go buy that. We have t-shirts, ringtones, etc. Tony? At Tony Thaxton, Twitter and Instagram. My podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. Uh, and the Motion City Soundtrack Tour starts on New Year's Eve. Get tickets if you haven't yet. Oh, and if you haven't gotten tickets yet for Sketchfest, uh, Alice Rose is your new best friend, live January 26th. That's the one where Tony will be miking your seats. Mm-hmm. And uh, Childish, live January 25th. And I'll be doing some other stuff while I'm up there, too. So just make a whole weekend out of it. Thank you guys for listening. I love you. Goodbye. About the Allison Rosen show. We had a good time. 
but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.